Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. This week, as you can tell by the title of this episode, we're going into our second episode looking at scientific research done with or about music. As you recall from our last episode, we presented several studies showing the so-called Mozart effect is really not all it's hyped up to be. This week, however, we're looking at a few different areas of research, but they all have a common theme of trying to show that music does make your overall well-being or productivity better. Some of this research is pertinent to the field of music therapy, and as a disclaimer, we are not music therapists, so any study findings we present in this episode are merely for informational purposes and not meant to be prescriptive in any way. And with that, let's get on to some science. Let's get to the science! The first type of music research we'd like to look at today is that relating to how music can help productivity. We know you've seen it in the movies, a montage set to upbeat music where a character miraculously conquers a skill in a matter of seconds. Wouldn't it be great if that could happen in your life? Well, you're in luck. Several studies have shown that music does help the efficiency and accuracy of surgeons in the OR. This is often based on listening to music of the surgeon's preference, and results have shown that both surgeons and patients upon recovery feel the procedure went smoother when listening to music than when just performing in silence. We uncovered another study that shows music doesn't just benefit the surgeon in the medical team, however. This other study looked at the effect of music tempo on surgical support staff productivity. Two playlists were compiled, one with, quote, fast tempo songs and one with, quote, slow tempo songs. These two playlists were played continuously throughout the day in different weeks, and the time it took to turn over the OR between procedures was measured. A statistically significant three-minute improvement was measured when the staff was listening to the fast tempo music versus the slow tempo music. And the authors of the study evaluated that this saved time could provide an annual revenue savings of $500,000 per OR per year. And this really is a feasible option, as most ORs are already equipped with speakers anyway, so piping in a carefully curated, quote, productivity playlist could be implemented in a majority of healthcare settings. And speaking of surgery, what about the patients? Well, it seems that music can help them, too. There are numerous studies indicating that listening to music in stressful situations can have a positive effect on the human body. One study that took place in a university teaching hospital looked at the effect of background noise and music on patients. Through questionnaires and measurements of vital signs, it was determined that patients have significant amounts of stress in the OR waiting rooms when just sitting in silence or when there is a significant amount of ambient background hospital noise such as monitors beeping, staff moving around, etc. However, when patients were then exposed to music, even played over top of the ambient noise, they reported lower levels of anxiety and their vital signs of heart rate, 
blood pressure and blood oxygenation levels were normalized. This study again shows promising results, since playing music is a relatively simple and inexpensive act that could provide tremendous benefits to patients undergoing anesthesia. Similarly, the calming and normalizing effects of music have been utilized by music therapists for years. There is strong evidence that people suffering from psychiatric disorders can use music as an effective coping mechanism. Studies have shown using music in the face of a mood disorder works on several levels which we will now list. The first one for entertainment, meaning it helps create an overall nice atmosphere or reinforces a certain desirable mood. For revival, meaning essentially to reset a person's mood or energy level. For strengthening sensations, meaning a certain experience can be heightened by listening to corresponding music. For diversion, essentially using music as a blocking mechanism to divert attention away from unwanted thoughts or feelings. For discharge, meaning you can release certain strong feelings by listening to a corresponding type of music. For mental work, meaning the music is used as a backdrop for focusing and thinking about a given mood, feeling, or topic. And finally, for solace, meaning looking for comfort within the music when feeling sad or troubled. So these are all known as adaptive coping strategies, and patients can be trained to use them when they feel an onset of negative thoughts, feelings, or behaviors. However, some studies look at the negative effects of music use as well. While it can be easy to use music to reinforce a positive mood, if the wrong type of music is picked at the wrong time, a negative mood could just as easily be enforced. Since music has such a strong effect on our human emotions, a sad and depressing playlist has just as much power over you as a happy and joyful one. To this end, therapists do try to properly train their patients about music use as a coping mechanism and also constantly assess the effectiveness of the plan. The effects music has on the human body are not just all in your head, though. It has been very well documented that when hearing particularly, quote, groovy music, sometimes humans just can't help themselves and must dance. The most common form of this is seen with head bobbing or toe or finger tapping. One study we looked at was assessing micromotion of the human body when listening to music. Participants who were blinded to the actual research goal of the study were asked to remain as still as possible while standing. They were outfitted with a monitor on their head that would record their position over five minutes. During the five minutes, participants were exposed to one-minute intervals each of an EDM, or electronic dance music, track, silence, classical Indian music, another silence, and then Norwegian folk music. And note, the study was taking place at a university in Norway. The point of this study is participants were trying very hard to stay as still as possible. However, the results showed that participants had significantly more micro-motion when listening to the music versus when just standing in silence. And on top of that, the EDM music, which was analyzed to have the strongest rhythmic component, showed the greatest amount of micro-movement. This is in line with previous studies that show music cognition is partly processed through the vestibular system, as part of the body's neural network that deals with balance and orientation. So if music is at least partly processed by the human body in partly a physical way, shouldn't that mean that it has effect on our physical performance? The answer is, of course, yes. There are tons of studies out there that show music can impact performance in physical activities. 
Though many physical result improvements are actually small and probably inconsequential, much like the mental gains described with the Mozart effect, athletes who listen to music while training report that they feel better about their performance and they perceive less physical exertion compared to identical training in silence. One study we looked at in preparation for this episode was the effect of playing music on basketball players throwing penalty shots. A group of collegiate basketball players were asked to shoot free throws while listening to music, positive and negative affirmations, or silence. It was shown the athletes had a better shooting percentage when listening to the music or to silence versus having the positive or negative affirmations played. Another study looked at an interesting training tool called Jammin. Jim plus Jammin. It's a portmanteau. <laughs> This study proposed that performing musicians experience musical agency, meaning as they perform, they can immediately modulate their performance to fit their mental ideal. This immediate feedback is thought to have positive effects on performance. In the jamming system, weight machines are fitted with sensors that allow an athlete to modulate a track as they work out based on how they make a machine move. The authors speculated this would have positive effects on physical performance and pain tolerance as listening to enjoyable music as well as physical activity has been shown to release endorphins, endogenous opioids, that are thought to have a positive impact on mood and pain perception. What these researchers found is after studying participants worked out on the gym and equipment, thus giving them the power to modulate the music they were listening to versus just listening to a set music track, they had a higher pain tolerance when asked to submerge their forearm in almost freezing water for as long as possible. Now, this study warns that this is not a direct measure of the amount of endorphins released based on being able to modulate the music, since that type of testing would actually involve invasive procedures like PET scans and spinal taps, but the pain tolerance is thought to be a good proxy. The overall point of the study is to suggest that adding music modulation to exercise may make it more enjoyable to those who are exercise adverse. For example, people undergoing physical therapy or elderly individuals might have more exercise success if they are able to increase their pain tolerance thanks to the music. So this was just a quick presentation of a few interesting scientific articles we found that look at how music can help everyone in their everyday lives. However, much like we warned in our last episode, a single study does not prove a point. The continuation of research is a must to continue to elucidate the true nature of the world. This is also, of course, just a very, very small selection of studies that look at how music affects us little human beings. There are literally millions of other articles out there about these topics and other music-related topics, so if this has piqued your interest at all, we encourage you to head over to Google Scholar, your local library online resources, or your university library if you're a student, and just put in a few keywords like music and physical activity music and sleeping, any number of things like that. You might just find an interesting article or two yourself. And if you've found this episode or these two episodes interesting, drop a like, leave a review on iTunes or Google Play, follow us on Spotify if that's where you're listening, and please consider sharing us with a friend or family member who would also be interested. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. 
Debussy's Pasapit from Sweet Bird Mosque was performed by Jacopo Salvatore. Also, Sprock's Zarathustra was performed by the University of Chicago Orchestra, conducted by Barbara Schubert. You can find The Coffeehouse on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. 